Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, welcome back. It's the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online and apps. It's one, episode 104, Kartik Krishnaya, my co-host, myself, Christopher Harris, uh, the gaffer. And it's uh, post-Boxing Day and it's pre-New Year's Day. Um, so lo- lots of lots to look forward to and lots to talk about. Kartik, uh, any presents you received, any Christmas presents or, or uh, soccer presents uh, in the last uh, few weeks? Uh, that I can think of? Uh trying to remember no i don't think there was anything actually uh soccer football related uh in my in under my tree but uh oh well actually chocolates in in the shape of a soccer ball and it's the old kind of buckyball chocolates uh, that's the one uh stocking stuffer i got that was uh that was uh soccer related yeah and, and probably i mean a, an early present for you but it was uh, fm19 football manager how does yes. that how does that one compare to previous versions it's um, more. It's more layered. It's more complicated. I'm. I'm hooked. I've been playing it pretty frequently. Uh, I'm, I'm into my. Uh, I think I'm into the 20, 24, 25 season. So that tells you I'm in 23, 24. I, I'm somewhere there. So I've. I've been playing it. Uh, I don't want to say nonstop since it came out early November. It's been a month and a half or almost two months, but been playing it a lot. That was an early Christmas present because. Uh, I'm used to getting Football Manager around Christmas time because it, it used to come out in December. They've gradually moved the date up, which um, at some point they, they have to stop moving the date up because then the, uh, the squad lists are not as, as uh, thorough or complete if they were to move it up. For example, when FIFA is launched, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes they, they, they miss transfers. But uh, Football Manager's database is very comprehensive. Fantastic game. If you have not gotten it, I would strongly suggest it. If you're uh, if you're that kind of player, it's uh, and if you're a person who plays FIFA but you play FIFA Manager mode, because I know there are people who do that, you, you should probably try this try this game. It would uh, it'll test your football skill and football knowledge more than uh, uh, FIFA does. Yeah, for me, Kartik, uh, the only well, the only soccer related present I got was a, a Bluetooth uh, headset. So I, I tested it out on Boxing Day. Actually, it's pretty good because I was able to, on my computer, uh, pair it up with the, the headphone and then put on Fubo. And it was Liverpool against Newcastle. And it was already, I think, 2-0 up. Um, so I was able to put the headset on and do some housework and kind of do some cleaning up around the house and then listen to the commentary. So for me, being a big fan of uh, football commentaries, actually probably will, uh, the next 12 months at least, 
Uh, I'll get a lot of use out of it in terms of uh, listening to some of those commentaries as well as radio commentaries and listening more and more closely to, to the words, uh, as well as, of course, watching the pictures now and again. Uh, I did not get... Uh, sorry, Chris. I did not get that for Christmas. I bought a pair for myself on a Black Friday sale after Thanksgiving. That's why I did not get it for Christmas. But um, I, same deal. And uh, I'm using that. Uh, actually, not because uh, I'm still I'm still television, not uh, cord cutter. But I uh, have, you, have been able to use that to actually catch up on football podcasts. So uh, I've been listening to. Um, the, the Guardian podcast, which I normally listen to, our podcast, uh, some podcasts related, other podcasts related to football, including uh, AC Jimbo's podcast. I've started listening to that. I still prefer the Rushton pod, uh, the Guardian pod. I know there are a lot of people who uh, have split loyalties there and, and uh, feel like you have to pick a side. I, I guess I picked a side in, in sticking with, with Max Rushton and the Guardian Football Weekly pod. But uh, now that I have these Bluetooth headsets and I can move around more freely, I at least during this holiday period for festive period started listening to the richardson podcast also it's it's good but i i, I like russian's pod better all right Kotick, so we've got a lot to cover um what what for you has been your standout match from this past week uh, past week and I, I realized that there was a lot to, to watch and a lot to uh consider but what was your best pick Okay, so there were uh, four standout matches for me. The, the top one was uh, Red Bull Leipzig, uh, uh, RB Leipzig. I know they are Red Bull Leipzig, but they don't go by that uh, that name for, for uh, legal reasons in Germany. Uh, RB Leipzig versus Bremen. Uh, it might have been the best match I've seen all season. It was, it was back and forth. There was a lot of uh, just good technical midfield play, which I like to see in a lot of these 3-2, 4-3 matches in, in England and in Germany. They end up becoming... 4-3 or 3-2 because of defensive errors and bad giveaways in midfield. That wasn't the case in this match. Also got to see Josh Sargent come on and score a few minutes after he came on, unlike his previous goal, which was a sitter uh, and, and against a team that's likely going to get relegated in Fortuna Dusseldorf. This was a goal against a team that might qualify, could very well qualify for Champions League, away from home, um, and he had to cr- help create the goal. You know, well, nice one-two uh, pass, some good hold-up play, and then it, uh, a, a, not a difficult finish, but not an easy finish either. So that's a that's a uh, a big thing. And I have to say, Chris, uh, I'm the way some other U.S. men's national team fans are were hooked on do- watching Dortmund to watch Pulisic. I mean, I watched Dortmund anyway, mm-hmm. uh, and it wasn't it didn't matter to me that Pulisic was playing for them or not because they've always just been going back to Klopp, a very open, exciting team to watch. I'm watching Werder Bremen now when they're on. I'll admit that I, Manchester City was playing at the same time against Crystal Palace, and I switched the channel, and I never switched back until this match was over, and that match was pretty much over because that was 3-1 at that point for Palace. Um, real quickly, Villa leads. I know you're going to talk about that match. Norwich Forest, which... Uh, uh, was fantastic. I ended up watching that over Premier League matches yesterday. That was such a good match um, and such an atmosphere at Carroll Road, the kind of atmosphere we're not getting at a lot of Premier League grounds. So if Norwich gets promoted, it'd be great if uh, they bring that atmosphere with them. And Atlanta-Juve, uh, which was a, a match in Serie A also on Boxing Day, four fantastic matches. The match we missed, Chris, because it wasn't on ESPN+, Plus, was Leeds-Blackburn. I'm told this was a fantastic match as well, mm-hmm. uh, but it wasn't available on ESPN+. Plus. And it was also running concurrent with Norwich Forest, uh, and I probably would have watched Norwich Forest because basically what happened is I watched Atlanta-Juve. That ended, and switched, and I switched to, to the Norwich Forest match towards the end of the first half of that match. So there were, there were overlaps of these matches. And ESPN Plus is great in that it gives you so much um, – 
so much uh, in, in the terms of in terms of material. But where ESPN Plus is not great, Chris, is that uh, sometimes it's tough to find things when they have so much material. Yeah, yeah, I've noticed that too. Is sometimes I, <clears throat> I, I know that they have one of the games on, and I'm looking and looking, and I can't find it. And then I'll either go, I'll log out, or I'll, I'll come back in. Uh, it, it's, it is sometimes hard to find things because they have so much stuff, but uh, it is there, though. <laughs> um, what I would say, Kartik, I mean, my game of the week had to be Aston Villa against Leeds United. Uh, this was uh, in the championship. Uh, Aston Villa going up uh, 2-0 early, and Leeds just coming back. And, and the thing about Leeds uh, this season is just the, the youth players, the younger players. It's not as if, like, uh, even the owners of uh, Leeds United went out and, and spent millions and millions on, on the, all these top players. A lot of them are, are local lads or, you mean, lads from England coming through the system. <clears throat> and and uh, Leeds bounced back, uh, uh, tied it 2-2, and with, like, one minute to go in injury time, I think it was, like, 94th minute or 95th minute, uh, scored the winner to win it 3-2 at Villa Park. Just a great game. And what I would say, too, and actually I posted this on Twitter, is if you're not watching the championship uh, this season, you're missing probably one of the most competitive and exciting soccer leagues in the world. Uh, it's, I mean, some, some games are dead rubbers, but, but the, most of the games are really entertaining. Uh, the level of football is really good, and it's very, very competitive. So Villa leads. I mean, it's one of those things that uh, Villa could lose uh, that game and then bounce back in the next game and beat Swansea City, as they did on Boxing Day, um, and vice versa. I mean, it, it, it's like all the teams are kind of beat, beating each other, but but Leeds are definitely ahead of the pack and playing some great football, as well as Norwich City. Yeah, uh, the thing that uh, I think uh, needs to be pointed out from this is that we have seen now under Bielsa in this stretch of matches for Leeds, it happened again against Blackburn, that he, the thought was he trains them so hard they're going to break down. And they had a lot of injuries. They've, they trained three times a day, by the way. Um, they had a lot of injuries early in the season, including Kmar Roof, who's been the hero in, in, in both of these matches over the festive period. But now you're seeing minutes 80 to 90, that superior conditioning, uh, kick in, and we're seeing that with uh, Fark, uh, who is kind of a Jurgen Klopp type manager, German manager as well, but plays a single similar style, similar type training uh, sessions for Norwich City. Uh, look, I'm not. I, I know a lot of people think I just bashed the Premier League. Maybe I do. Uh, I, I'm telling you, if you're a fan of English football uh, and you're watching the Premier League and not watching the Championship this season, you are missing out. I have, mm-hmm. I I cannot stress this enough. That I think the gap in terms of entertainment and competitiveness between the top two divisions in England is larger than I remember it. Now we, the championship has always been more competitive and in many ways more compelling, but this season, uh, I mean, I, I, I go down the table and I look at where Stoke and Swansea are and there are two sides. Uh, sorry, Chris, to mention Swansea lost the Villa yesterday, uh, but uh, I, I look at those two sides and I think, you know, they, both of those two sides could still make a run and finish in the top six. Uh, there is a, uh, a real, Great story brewing at QPR that very few people are talking about with Steve McLaren and how well he's done recovering that side uh, after a horrible start. They could push into the playoffs. And then we've obviously got the Leeds and Norwich stories to talk about. And uh, we have to talk about Burrow and uh, and Villa potentially underachieving, even though I think Dean Smith has done a good job at Villa. They were so far adrift under Steve Bruce that it seems like maybe they're not going to be able to recover that and they're going to be stuck in the championship for yet another season. The one thing I would say, Kartik, about uh, this past week in football, though, it, which is really interesting to me, is that uh, last weekend was incredibly entertaining. There was uh, so many goals, so many I mean, great games on, 
And then to me, Boxing Day was really disappointing. And, it, and most of the yeah. games I watched were in the Premier League. So from the, this past weekend, uh, the Wolves-Liverpool game was great. Uh, really entertaining game. And, and it was, you mean, just seeing Liverpool just step up a gear. Uh, moving into the weekend and, and, of course, going top of the table, uh, creating a three-horse race for, for the title in England. Arsenal, uh, just uh, not, not the best performance, but beating Burnley. Uh, the Man City-Palace game, who would have expected Palace to bounce back um, in that one and, and win it 3-2. And then, uh, and then Manchester United and, and the de- debut of uh, Ole Solskjaer in that 5-1 victory. Just a really entertaining weekend all in all. And then to me, <clears throat> Boxing Day was, was disappointing. I was the, the Fulham Wolves game was, was very kind of um, very tight. I mean, you can see that R- Ranieri is really kind of trying to focus on uh, defensively, just trying to you mean, uh, minimize the, the amount of goals and, and just kind of uh, shore up the back there. And um, the Liverpool-Newcastle game was really one-sided. Uh, the Brighton-Arsenal game... Uh, was a tight game too, and 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 the Watford Chelsea, so on and so forth. So so to me, it was a, a disappointing Boxing Day, but but a great uh, Premier League weekend. Um, and <clears throat> and I know, Carter, in, in your notes, you mentioned about uh, cold weather. Whether cold weather could be a factor in terms of creating more entertaining games, and there, there have been, whether it's the Championship or the Bundesliga or the Premier League, there have been more entertaining games, but. Um, how does that explain the Boxing Day that was kind of a little bit uh, drab, drabber than what we were uh, accustomed to watching? Well, first off, I think Boxing Day has just become like any other random fixture date. You don't, um, and unfortunately, this this go around, you, you didn't even get the uh, Manchester City played Liverpool on Boxing Day a few seasons ago. Uh, you, you didn't even have a matchup like that. Uh, Arsenal-Liverpool would have been great. Instead, that's this Saturday. I think that's one explanation. Two, it's the quick turnaround after uh, the weekend's uh, fixtures uh, and, and squad rotation. There was an incredible amount of squad rotation on Boxing Day. I noticed that in the championship, too. Tons of squad rotation. There was some squad rotation in Serie A because Serie A has done something funky with their winter break these last few seasons. Uh, and uh, now they're playing through Boxing Day. And, and uh, they're not, they, they break for New Year, but they, they uh, play through Christmas and Boxing Day. So I noticed the, the rotation there. And I think the other thing, uh, Chris, to, to remember is that um, I think we're now at a point where um, there is so much um, there is so much uh, emphasis on um, on the table and where you are and surviving the festive period. And this is particularly true in in the Premier League, less so true in the Championship and and, and uh, in some other places. Although I think the the Inter Napoli match, which on paper looked like the best match of the week in any league, uh, ended up being that where, where after 20 minutes, Ancelotti just decided he, he would he would take a point, which they didn't get. A lot of controversy to come out of that game about Koulibaly being racially abused, but that, that's another subject for another time. Uh, but there's this now sense you want to survive the Christmas period, right? You want to survive the festive period among managers. You don't want to uh, it used to be, hey, we have an opportunity if we're mid-table to, um, to, 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 to get nine points or 12 points and climb the table in this period. I, I think maybe Leicester's taking that attitude under Claude Puel. But uh, every other manager, it seems, they want to survive the period. You mentioned Rainieri. Uh, I think very much Fulham is looking to get a solidified defense. Uh, he's been tinkering a lot, uh, going back to his old reputation as a tinker man. We've actually, from a U.S. perspective, seen Timmy Ream start a few matches uh, on the bounce, which uh, he hadn't played a minute under the previous manager. So uh, that's good from a U.S. men's national team perspective. But a lot of tinkering going on also as teams that are near the drop zone don't want to get cut adrift. 
like Fulham, um, and and like Cardiff and others, uh, and there are other uh, teams that that just want to survive the period. So I think you're seeing more tactical results, unfortunately, and that's I, why uh, it's pretty drab. I, I think the other thing, though, too, Kartik, is we're seeing th- this season more than any other season in quite a long time. Premier League domination at the top of the table, so so it ends up becoming yeah, yeah. for for fans of other clubs or, or for neutrals. I mean, I would consider myself a neutral because I have no Premier League uh, club to support. Less interesting, less entertaining because I, I don't support Liverpool, I don't support Manchester City, I don't support Spurs or Arsenal or Chelsea or Man, <clears throat> Man United, and it's really a, very much a, a top five, top six driven league right now because I mean you listen to Rebecca Lowe and the two Robbies they keep on coming back to okay all right next topic okay let's talk about Spurs are, are they in the hunt for the, the the title yes they are okay can, can, can they do it what about Liverpool isn't it amazing Man City they dropped off a bit but can they still do it and it's really really focused I mean more so than ever because there is a title race to have uh, the relegation fight it's still early but uh, at I mean, it's it's not that interesting right now. I mean, there's there's a couple of storylines, but uh, there's probably four or five teams that are really really poor. So chances are those teams will be in the thick of it. You mean at the end of the season, probably going down pretty. You mean if not early, uh, at least it looks, looks like a sure bet that they might go down. So so to me, as as a fan watching the Premier League, I'm I'm enjoying the football, but it's inconsistent in terms of. Maybe one weekend is good, and then a few days later, it's not as interesting because it's very predictable. One more yeah. thing to add to this, Kartik, is uh, a comment from one of our listeners, and it's uh, David Schley, and he posted on Twitter and said, Remember how great Boxing Day was last year, was able to flip between the many networks of NBC to watch at least five different matches. This year's Boxing Day feels like at any other match day with only one match per time slot at NBCSN and the rest on gold. And I think that has a huge impact on the experience because, you mean a year ago or pre all the, all the previous Boxing Days, we would have been able to kind of you know go, yeah, this um, I mean this this match is kind of a, you know Liverpool Newcastle is just so one sided. Let me go flip over and watch one of the other matches, and there you would find you mean a gem. You'd be like, okay, this is this is great. This is a attacking end to end action, two two draw. Who's going to win this one? And I think that's part of the experience, and that might be part of the reason too that. Uh, I was I was disappointed with Boxing Day this year. Two two quick points uh, to follow up on when you said uh, that the the uh, point from the listener. Absolutely, uh, I agree with that. That's probably the reason I was watching Juve Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta. I would have been watching another Premier League match on CNBC or on uh, some other channel at the same time. I just didn't want to be bothered with gold. The Premier League matches weren't that exciting. It, it seemed like so. I just watched the Serie A match instead. And then when that was over, I said, "Yeah, let me." Uh, you know, I have a Forest fan I correspond with in the UK, and saying, "Yeah, this match." We're, we're, we're hanging in there. We're, we're playing well. We're up 1-0. And I said, okay, let me just fire it up. Watch that match. So I think that that is probably because there were no other Premier League matches on. Second thing, your point about competitiveness of the Premier League, I make every week. I think, and, and let me just explain this for people who keep saying, oh, you're being negative. The league is more competitive because six teams can win the title. Okay, I get that. Uh, but I also think for those of us like you and me that have watched the Premier League for, for two decades or more, Chris, there were more teams playing negatively because there's such a gap between the top six and the rest of the league. There were more mid-table teams. Mid-table teams used to not be teams that bunker deep. Okay, the teams in your in the 
fighting relegation would. Now you're seeing just about everybody, with the exception of Everton, uh, that plays uh, a top six side. Uh, and West Ham. West Ham plays pretty open under Pellegrini. Uh, uh, you're seeing everyone else sit deep, even if they get results. So even if Crystal Palace beats Manchester right. City, even if Leicester beats Chelsea, they're sitting deep. They're not, and it's not just tactical, like organized uh, uh, two lines of four. It's like very deep defending with the intent to break quickly on the counter, which leads to just these very um, drab matches and uh, yeah, what- matches that are dependent on just defensive errors and counterattacks, which is not that enjoyable to watch for me. And it's, it's not just that, too. It, it is that Kartik, but also the other added component, too, is that uh, Newcastle, I think, I think, went into this match against Liverpool thinking, OK, we can't beat them. So let, let's not put, put our full squad out there. Let's, uh, let's focus on the next game, which is going to be against Watford. And that's a winnable match uh, this weekend. So let's go ahead and just kind of take it easy against Liverpool and consider ourselves. We're going to lose a match anyway, so we're not going to pick up any, any points. So... And that's something that hasn't happened, I think, ever really. Uh, I, mean, I mean, yes, maybe in the last couple of seasons, but it's a it's a new a new thing to the Premier League, where managers are picking and choosing kind of which games they're going to actually fight for, and, and that's something that we, we we never got in the past. Some of the best Newcastle, or some of the best Premier League matches uh, in the history of the Premier League have been Newcastle against Liverpool because it was so competitive. <laughs> Kevin Keegan and anyway, all sorts of different storylines, the back and forth, the end to end. Anyway. Those were some of the best matches. This one was, was not it by, by any degree. Yeah, and I think there's also a, a tendency among players on those sorts of sides like Newcastle that are fighting relegation to not exert themselves as much in these matches against the Liverpools and the Spurs. And, and we're seeing that with Spurs winning every match, 5-0, 6-0, whatever. And Liverpool, I guess, also. But uh, Spurs in particular have just been running rampant uh, recently because um, I think that there's teams defending deep against them and there are teams that um, uh, are, are just not exerting themselves fully because they have another fixture in three days and they're thinking that's a match we can probably get something from. I, I saw this with Cardiff quite frankly against uh, uh, against Manchester United where Cardiff and I, I ended up watching the Bundesliga game that was going on at the same time much more closely because uh, th- that match was was unwatchable and and uh, it was Frankfurt Bayern by the way the, uh, the, the match and um, I saw in Cardiff a side that was saying, okay, well, this is a busy period. We've got several more matches. We're out of the drop zone right now, but if we if we exert ourselves here, we might be in the drop zone by the end of uh, festive period. Let's, uh, let, let's mail it in, and then we have another match in three days, and let's get something there. And they did. They played Palace, and they got a draw. So yeah. I think there's a lot of that going on. I, you, you pretty much nailed it. And Chris, remember this. In the past, the Premier League used to find managers when they would rotate their squads heavily. Uh, now they're not doing that anymore because it's happening so often. Or they would threaten to find managers. I'm trying to remember the situation with Blackpool and Ian Holloway. I think at one point they did yeah. f- find him because um, he, he had made this equation in his mind. Oh, we're playing whoever they were playing. Manchester United, I think it was, or Chelsea. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get anything. I'm just going to play my reserve team and then try and get points in the next match against whoever. Yep. Uh, and uh, they find him and tried to make an example out of him. Now, uh, seven, eight years later, that's just the norm. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see too, because knowing in the Premier League this weekend is probably going to be really entertaining and we'll be talking about how great how great things are. But but no, I think in terms of, um, I mean, kind of a trends and the way things are heading, uh, I, I think you're completely right, Kartik. And, uh, it, but the, the other thing though too is that uh, right now, other than Serie A, and some games in the Scottish uh, Premiership, there's, there's no other game in town. So it, it is one of those right. things that I think um, timing-wise, 
Uh, I think it's still in the best interest of, of the Premier League to con- continue playing through the winter break, uh, even though they w- they're going to have a winter break. Uh, you mean what? The, I think it's next season or the season after next. But, Starting next season, yeah, yeah, with the new TV deal. But it'll be later. Uh, so I yeah. think there's some confusion over this. I've talked to a few people the last few days who said, oh, this is the last, you know, they're going to break after Boxing Day. There won't be New Year's fixtures next year. No, that's not true. Uh, they're breaking in late January. Uh, which is a little odd. Yeah. Um, now you could say it refreshes the clubs that are playing in Champions League in the knockout stages, and they'll be fresh uh, when that that rolls around. But is it is it is it the right timing for the rest of the uh, the other eighty eight teams? Or actually, it's not for the whole football league. So the other sixteen teams in the Premier League, I don't know. <laughs> yep, exactly. So Kartik, uh, one more from me, and and feel free to to add one more from you uh, in terms of what, what else you've been watching. But the one thing that stood out for me uh, this past week was um, we already talked about in the last episode, uh, Sunderland Till I Die, uh, the fantastic uh, documentary on Netflix. Really, really must watch if you haven't seen it yet. But uh, the one that stood out for me, Kartik, is that I sat down and watched uh, Bobby Robson, More Than a Manager. And this is a brand new documentary that's uh, new to Netflix. Um, I think it came out in the movie theaters uh, in England uh, over the summer. But uh, for anyone who remembers Bobby Robson, or, or maybe if you don't, this is a really must-see documentary. The, the pacing is a lot slower than Sunderland Till I Die. Um, it's, it's quite sad in parts, but then uplifting in, in other parts. But to me, watching this documentary, uh, I, was, I finished it up last night, and what I thought about this was that uh, if there wasn't any Bobby Robson, uh, I don't think that Pep Guardiola or Jose Mourinho would be the managers that they are today. Both of them worked very, very closely uh, with Bobby Robson. Uh, Jose, as a translator initially, uh, but learning, learning how to be a manager, how, how to use man management. And Guardiola being one of Bobby Robson's players and Guardiola talking in a documentary about listening to a halftime uh, team talk from, from Bobby Robson and... Guardiola saying to himself, "I, I want to be a manager. I want to be. I, I want to be like Bobby Robson. I want to be uh, kind of at that level." And it's really a really great documentary to watch. And, and it, it follows a lot of the time is actually through uh, Bobby Robson's time at Barcelona, as well as at England, uh, almost making it to the, the World Cup final. And uh, PSV, uh, Newcastle United, also Porto, and uh, I think it was, uh, and, and then Lisbon too. So, really re- uh, recommended uh, documentary. So, check it out. It's called Bobby Robson, More Than the Manager. I- Ipswich, I assume, also? Oh, Ipswich too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a lot of footage on, on Ipswich, but uh, definitely the story starts off at Ipswich Town and uh, talking about uh, really at that point in time, Ipswich uh, given an opportunity to somebody that. Uh, I don't think I had any management experience or was it was a really was kind of a, a risk at that time. And uh, Bobby Robson starting off there and learning the trade and, and talking about really how he you know, kind of didn't know what to do really in terms of how, how to run the club. And he ran everything. He was in charge of, uh, I think, public relations, the media, uh, everything. So he was in charge of the entire club. And uh, yeah, some great, some, some great footage. Not a lot there, but there's, there's some good footage there, too. Yeah. So, so for me, I've watched a, a, a uh, disproportionate amount or maybe a sickening amount of Sky Sports programming this week just to get the pulse of the Pochettino uh, to Manchester United rumors and, and the Mourinho fallout. And uh, look, uh, if there's one thing about the Premier League, we've just bashed the Premier League. If there's one thing about the Premier League I'm excited about right now, uh, Chris, it's Spurs. 
And if Pochettino were to leave for Manchester United, I think that'd just be like a buzzkill for a lot of us that um, I, I'm a Manchester City supporter, but I'm also a neutral in the sense that I like good football. I like managers that put faith in youth. I like managers who have a style. Pochettino to, that, to me is, I like managers who build the club. To me, Pochettino is all of that. I would hate to see him leave a club that he's built to just go to a club that's becoming a mercenary club, for lack of a better term. Uh, for man, uh, And even if he went left for Real Madrid, it would be the same thing. Uh, real quickly, two other things I want to point out uh, this week, Chris, uh, uh, related to commentators, or three things. One, uh, Keith Costigan is really good. So part of the reason that Leipzig-Bremen match was so entertaining uh, for me was because he was calling the match, and he just has his um, – he's just – gotten to the point and, and, and I've been critical of Costigan maybe a decade ago or five years ago when he was uh would commentate on on domestic matches and was a reporter or whatever and said ah eh, he's not quite at the level uh, he's okay he's not great he's just gotten to this incredible level of of uh his voice inflection knowing when to call certain things when to just let the let a match breathe uh he's brought Warren Barton Warren Barton was the co-commentator for this match Warren Barton was uh acceptable which he we, you know, we've talked about that. He's not always uh, uh, the, the, the best guy uh, in the booth or in studio. So I, I, I really enjoyed that. Kartik? I enjoyed having – yes. Let, let, let me just chime in just real quick, quick, real quick while I'm thinking of it too. And that's actually something I thought about this past week uh, a little bit too is that uh, with the Bundesliga, Fox has talent that are, are really, really well-educated in that league and really can talk I mean, for, for you know, hours if you sat down with Ian Joy or – uh, Stu Holden or you mean uh, Keith Costigan for sure, uh, Warren Barton too, where they've really kind of specialised in the Bundesliga because it's really the only club soccer league that they have uh, other than some Mexican league games, but they don't even promote those games really. But that's the thing though too, once the rights are up in 2020, and to me it's unlikely that, that the Bundesliga will stay with, with, um, with Fox and I mean, wherever it goes, if it goes to to DAZN or, or someplace else, from 2020 to 2022, which is the, the next World Cup, is what, are, what what does that talent do? I mean, so they've specialized yeah. in the German league. Yes, they they've kind of shown that they can focus on the league and really, well, it could be any league really. It could be any any competition, but they've shown that they. They, you mean they have the goods, they have the knowledge, they know how to, uh, to commentate a game or analyze a game. What do they do? I mean, do they go elsewhere? Does Fox, you mean, lay them off, or does, you mean, does Fox try to acquire some other rights? Which at this point, it looks unlikely that Fox is going to get back into kind of acquiring lots of soccer rights because they have they have the World Cup and they have the Women's World Cup, and you mean, you mean the last World Cup they lost money on, they had to have layoffs there for that one. So that's just a question that goes in my, into my mind. Any thoughts on that, on what they should do or where, where they would go or what they would do? I don't know. I mean, that's a great, those are great questions because I do worry about that going into 2022. They're, they're, I have, uh, I'm not changing my opinion of Fox. I want the listeners out there to know that because I think they still are very uh, narrative and agenda driven when it comes to, to U.S. Uh, topics of U.S. soccer. But I have enjoyed this holiday period, Ian Joy hosting the Bundesliga, Keith Costigan's calls, and quite frankly, Alexi Lawless's analysis. Once you take the, the U.S. M&T uh, slash MLS uh, blinders off, uh, he is actually a decent studio pundit. I mean, if he's just forced to analyze Bayern Munich versus Hoffenheim where there's no you know, blatant MLS angle, right? He, mm-hmm. he, he does a good job. So Fox does have the talent, but when that league is not – 
Uh, they've lost the Champions League. They're not going to get that back, I, I don't believe. that If they lose to the Bundesliga, the zone you mentioned is, is uh, a possibility I, I've heard also uh, come 2020 in the States. I don't know what they do with that talent. Do they lay them off and bring them in um, on a tournament, uh, just for the tournament, as they did with Derek Ray this past summer? Uh, what do they do? Because they have a stable of... Uh, now proven soccer commentators that uh, they would they would essentially uh, have to let go of. Jovan Karaski is another one. I forgot yep. about him. He, yep. He's done a pretty good job because yep. uh, he knows that league. He played in that league. So I, I'm so, concerned about it. Yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe they move on. Maybe they move on to go into DAZN. And DAZN by that point has I mean the Bundesliga and several other leagues. And and then it becomes that they're still doing commentary or stu- still doing an analysis. But it's for a uh, OTT, like over the top uh, provider, rather than a traditional television provider. Um, we'll have to wait and see. I, I, anyway, that, that's just just one thing that I thought of. But especially Keith Costigan, who's somebody that uh, is you know, at the top of his game, has a great knowledge and experience, and uh, could really could go anywhere and, and do that. But really, has specialized and focused and, and honed his craft on the Bundesliga. We'll have to wait and see, Kartik. Yeah, and then the other point I want to make was Janus Mikhailik was back on the mic uh, doing the Serie A match with Mark Donaldson yesterday, the the Inter-Napoli match. Uh, Donaldson's commentary I'm now very used to uh, from from watching Serie A this season. And obviously he's been doing things for years, but uh, now I'm hearing him basically once a week. Uh, Janus, uh, I'd forgotten how good he is. (laughs) Honestly, yeah. as much as I like the guy and have uh, uh, been a proponent of him in the past, uh, he 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 analyzed that match, uh, pu- pulled apart that match, and analyzed it in a way a little bit different than Matteo Benetti, who I, I like a lot uh, as well. But um, and what I think is great for that league and great great hire by ESPN. Uh, but he he has a a critical nature, Janus. That's often uh, a critical lens. That's often lacking in uh, commentary in the U.S. So I, after 20 minutes of that match, said, you know what, if Sari were managing Napoli, they'd be all over them. I'm saying this to myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sari's now moved on. He's at Chelsea. Ancelotti is more temperamentally cautious. Where I think everybody knows that, right? Because Ancelotti's always been like that. And he makes the point like five minutes later, you know, I'm really disappointed by, uh, by Napoli. I think if this were Mauricio Sari's team, you'd see uh, – Kayon getting up the wing and you'd see all of all of this stuff ha- happening that that wasn't happening in this match so it was things like that he, he just is is really good and we don't see enough of him mm-hmm. uh, I would say that make the same point about Ross Dyer who called the actually called the Dortmund uh which Gladbach match uh, although I wouldn't advocate him jumping keep Costigan in the pecking order at Serie A but uh, sorry with the Bundesliga but they had a, a excess of games matches this week uh, so they they brought in Ross Dyer both him and Janus need to get more airtime um, the third point is you and I talk often about Arlo White. And um, from talking to people, it's not widespread, but talking to people who've watched a lot of football, they're coming around to the same point of view. They're very comfortable with Arlo White because they've been listening to him now for six years on the Premier League broadcast. If they're Seattle fans or MLS fans, they've listened to him even longer than that. But um, there is a, a feeling when, when I compare him to a Keith Costigan or, or even to a Derek Ray uh, at the same network that, yeah, he, 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 he's very Americanized. He talks a lot, uh, talks through things. And the, this is the first time I've heard the feedback from people other than you and me, Chris, quite frankly, that some 
some people are just saying, ah, you know, I kind of tune him out, or sometimes I put the television on mute. I want to hear what Graham Lisson, Lee Dixon say, but but Arlo White talks too much. So that's just another observation I've, I've, I've picked up on this week. Yeah, there's, there's something about a football commentator as far as the longevity. It, it's difficult to do because you think at some of, some of the, the best commentators in the world and some of the, th- the names that come up, of course, John Champion, uh, Martin Tyler, Peter Drury, uh, Andres Cantor, uh, Derek Ray. But these are types of people that have been in the game for a very, very long period of time uh, that you can get you get used to. You, you look forward to listening to the commentaries. Um, and it's one of those things that uh, with longevity, they don't get old. They don't get, um, you mean, bothersome. And with Arlo, to me, short term, he's done a great job. Short term, he's he's good. He's, you mean, he's excitable. He's uh, descriptive. Uh, he, you mean, he understands the game and um, sometimes pulls the best out of Lee Dixon and Graham Lasseau. Um, Lee Dixon, to me, is, I mean, always, I, I always want to listen to Lee Dixon. There's always some yeah, incredible yeah. pearls of, of wisdom there that he mentions in terms of his insight into the game. And to me, he does that better than anyone in the game, in the professional kind of commentary, co-commentary game, to be able to provide examples that are just open your eyes and go, oh, yeah, wow, I didn't think of that. Um, but to me, that's that's the thing with Lalo White is that longevity is he has become tiresome. He has become uh, predictable. He has become over talkative. And uh, long term, I'm not I don't think he's he's really cut out to be that person, to be that that Premier League voice for, for you know, years after years after years for the NBC to have, have the Premier League rights. And once the Premier League, Premier, Premier League rights come up for bidding again with uh, NBC, which is, what, 2022, I think it is, who's to say that uh, NBC wins it again for another, say, six years? And could you imagine another six years of Ola White? And it's not that he's a bad commentator, but it just... It's just I, I just don't like his style. It just it doesn't fit in well with, with the games themselves. Chris, now that you have a Bluetooth uh, pair of headphones, uh, you can test this out. Uh, next Arlo White call, which I think will be Arsenal-Liverpool or whatever, some, some, some call in the yeah. future. How many times you, if you're not watching your television, but you're walking around with the Bluetooth headphones, hear excitement and think a goal has been scored, and you run back and you see it's just something. Yeah, which, which that's something that's, that, that's under, underrated because, I mean, you can listen to, say, say, a John Champion, and you know, you can be in a different room, and you know exactly what's happening in that game, not by listening to his words, but by listening to his... Uh, his voice in terms of kind of whether it's uh, goes up or goes down or is silent you 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 know what's happening in that match you you actually can close your eyes and uh, imagine what's happening and with Arlo yeah yeah very excitable in terms of those types of things and you kind of think that maybe you go into the other room and you come back and find out that a goal was scored but you didn't know because you mean in terms of that commentary vocal kind of up and down is not is not the same as other commentators, um, and, and actually that that's, that happens a lot with um, with commentators on Fox Sports on, on Fox Soccer. Is whenever a goal scored, it's silence. You I mean it's kind of, they, they they try to let the, the game breathe. They try to let let the noise of the crowds kind of uh, uh, they don't want to talk over it. But for me, in, in another room, coming back into that same room, it, it, and then I find out the goal was scored. Like, like how come they didn't get excited? How come they didn't go crazy? It's a completely different style. And Arlo is very American in his style, very English in his voice. But, but uh, yeah, it's an, interesting, it's an interesting mix. This having been said, uh, when Arlo White 
host the studio and host the pitch side studio at the matches. And I don't know how much of that they're going to do in the future now that they're linked up with Sky via the Comcast Sky uh, merger, mm-hmm. uh, Sky deal. But uh, I think Arlo White's very good at that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think he's yeah. I, I think he's top of his game when he's hosting a studio. Uh, uh, I, in fact, absolutely. I think he's probably better than Gary Lineker was at it. I, mean, I really like him doing that. It's just yeah. the commentary, sometimes the inflection of the voice, the over-talking, uh, is is uh, annoying to me. Then again, I know uh, for uh, most American listeners, it's probably preferable to maybe the guys I'm mentioning, the Costigans and the Rays and, and, and the people that I, I like so much. That Yeah, it's hard to say, Carter, because we're, we're, we're uh, hardcore soccer fans and, and that's all we know, right? And, and right. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to say. But but for the mainstream America, maybe maybe it's not. Maybe it's more of a welcoming, bringing them in to something familiar with a with an English voice, and uh, over time maybe the, their tastes change. Or, or we'll have to wait and see. I, I, I don't know. All right, Kartik, let's move on to uh, TV streaming news. Not a lot to talk about this week, but we do have one interesting story. Yeah, Twitter is going to be distributing FA Cup clips uh, in a deal with the FA in a number of countries uh, around the world, uh, beginning with the the third round uh, uh, next week. And uh, uh, Twitter is going to be under the deal. This is interesting. They're going to be dealing, uh, giving, uh, sending direct messages to people who follow the the top clubs, the big six clubs. Uh, And this includes uh, the U.S. and includes India. Uh, it includes Brazil, so it includes some very big markets. Uh, so you'll be able to see quick clips uh, of the FA Cup on Twitter. And Chris, this is much part of um, the FA Cup now is expanding their television or their streaming or, or video uh, uh, coverage to the point where we will see every third round match, as we mentioned last week. Now you'll see clips from every match because, uh, quite quite honestly, in the past, and I don't know if you've gone through this, Chris, you've had to wait two days for the FA to post a package of highlights yep. on YouTube, and you've already moved on to something else, and you're like, oh, wow, the Scunthorpe Rotherham highlights are, are up. I'm, uh, I would have <laughs> liked to have seen that on Saturday, and you see it on Thursday. Right. So. Uh, I, this is this is a step in the right direction. The FA Cup finally joining modern football in terms of media. It's it it was almost like a relic from the past until very recent until this season. I don't like this, Kartik. I don't like this at all because there's two reasons why. So one is that so so if you have to, if you're a fan of Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, Man United, Arsenal, or Spurs. Those are the only clubs that you'll get the direct messages uh, if you follow yeah. those accounts uh, or the, the clips of the FA Cup. And the, the, the thing about the FA Cup is it's all about the other clubs. It's all about the, right, the giant right. killings. It's all about the, the smaller clubs, the romantic clubs, the non-league clubs. You mean the clubs that have come through where the you mean the, the goalkeeper's a postman or you mean all those that that's that's to me what, what's exciting about the FA Cup. The second thing is, is that it undermines ESPN+. Plus. If I'm ESPN and I have the rights to uh, the FA Cup and then I'm finding out that uh, under a separate deal that they've sold um, these rights to Twitter and Twitter's going to be posting direct messages to the fans of the top six, you mean that undermines their audience, that undermines the number of people. Some people might say, you know what, I'm busy today. Maybe I'll just uh, follow it on my DM and see all the goal highlights and I don't need to watch ESPN Plus to watch the game uh, uh, you mean minute by minute type of thing. So... I understand. I mean, it's good that they're moving with the times. I just don't think it, it's. I mean, why not do this for the Premier League? But then again, that would undermine NBC's rights to the coverage of of, of that league. So I don't know. It's, it just seems like a weird fit. 
Well, uh, yeah, it is weird that they're doing the top six clubs. Uh, by the way, if you want to watch Premier League highlights and you have uh, the, you can go to the ESPN FC app or ESPN or the ESPN app, excuse me, or the ESPN FC online, and you'll you'll see uh, plenty of Premier League highlights. If you don't want to sit around and wait for them uh, on Goal Zone or whatever shows after the the uh, NBC broadcast, so it actually is kind of already going on, just not in this kind of wide dissemination. Uh, so they, for whatever reason, ESPN has bumper rights for uh, uh, the Premier League in the U.S. And I don't it appears like no one else does besides uh, uh, ESPN. And it, obviously, NBC is a rights holder, has it. But ESPN seems to have some rights to show Premier League clips that no one else does in the U.S. Yeah, what, what it is, actually, is that NBC has the same rights to show those clips. But um, and there's there's a after the Premier League ends, say, on a Saturday, um, there's a, a period of time where they have to wait. I think they have to wait like an hour or two hours after those games before they post the highlights or or the clips from those games. And NBC follows those guidelines uh, to the T to make sure that not to upload those uh, those clips uh, until they're allowed to do so. ESPN, for whatever reason, uh, dismisses those uh, those guidelines and just goes and posts them as soon as the vid- videos are, are available. And so, so a lot of people think that ESPN is a place to go to for the NBC clips. NBC is a place to go for the uh, for those clips too. It's just that uh, they come out there a little bit later. And in the UK, uh, Sky cannot post anything until match of the day is over. That's correct, I believe. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. So on BBC too. All right, Kartik, let's move on. TV ratings, uh, not a lot uh, this week. Uh, we will probably skip the, the listing on willsoccertalk.com and, and post it next week instead. But um, three ratings did come out um, so far. And with the holidays, too, it kind of messes things up because uh, with the offices at Nielsen closed, um, we don't get those ratings as quickly as normal. But uh, Friday's game between Wolves and Liverpool and NBCSN, uh, 222,000 people tuned into that one uh, to watch that uh, 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock Eastern game. And then, Kartik, we have a number, a number for the Bundesliga. Finally, uh, we had uh, Borussia Dortmund against uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach on Friday uh, on FS1, I believe it was. Uh, 81,000 viewers tuned into this one. And the reason I got excited about the Bundesliga is because it's very rare that we get to, to actually share that because... Uh, the numbers usually are so low that you mean they, they don't come up in, in the, the actual listings of, of the TV ratings. But here we have one. It's 81,000 for Dortmund against uh, Mönchengladbach. Um, and again, Kartik, it's the Bundesliga just cannot hit that 100,000 mark unless it's a kind of a rare uh, Bayern Munich game or sometimes a rare Dortmund game. Yeah, and this was such a big match. Jaden Sancho with a, a sick goal. Uh, I was watching this match with Neil Blackman of YanksForComing.com uh, fame and uh, just great all-around soccer pundit, and I'm sure many of you know. Uh, and uh, they cut out. The thing that was so annoying it was right after the match, they had a five-minute post-match show with, with Ian Joy and, and Alexi Lala, Stu Holden, and then they cut out and they had some stupid gambling program hosted by Rachel Benetta, who used to be a <laughs> yeah. soccer person. Um, and I, it was it was just typical Fox. I'm thinking, oh, gosh, you know, they have a good match. Maybe this match will get a decent number for them, which it did. Now, again, it's all relative because mm-hmm. that's a terrible number for for uh, La Liga, well, La Liga in the past or, 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 or uh, MLS or Premier League, but uh, they don't even capture the moment. 
of that uh, table-topping match between one and two entering the weekend uh, in Germany and, and the brilliance of Sancho and, and uh, uh, the, just the, 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 the great game actually Fabian Johnson had too if they want to go with a U.S. angle. Pulisic did not get off the bench in this match. Uh, but they just go right to a gambling program uh, about some you know, other sports, right? Even though uh, Rachel Benetta was a soccer person, now I guess she's an all-around sports person. When she came on, I first thought, oh, okay, you know, it must be soccer. It's her. And it wasn't. It was, uh, it was other stuff. Yeah. So that was very disappointing. Yeah, and then one last number is uh, the Premier League goal zone on Friday, uh, which I guess came on after the Wolves-Liverpool game. Uh, that one had 87,000 viewers. So m- more people watched that goal zone, which m- it must not have been much of a goal zone because there was only one game to talk about. Um, more people watched that than they watched the dortmund uh, Gladbach game. A lot of Marine. A lot of Mourinho talk on that. Uh, uh, okay. I, 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 I DVR'd that, and uh, uh, Derek Ray interviewed Neil Ashton, and Neil Ashton said, "Man United have three... Uh, uh, Derek Ray hosted that, by the way. Uh, Rebecca Lowe came into the studio for Saturday. They have three candidates for the for the job. One, Mauricio Pochettino. Two, Mauricio Pochettino. Three, Mauricio Pochettino. Yep. That's going to stick with me uh, until this thing is resolved for six months. <laughs> that, that, was, uh, that was good by Neil Ashton. So that was on that show. Right. All right, listener mailbag. Uh, before we jump into that, I'd like to take a moment to thank you, the listener, for making this show possible during 2018. Uh, this is our last show of uh, 2018 before we move on to 2019. And um, in the past 12 years that we've been doing this podcast in, in different, various different forms, uh, the feedback we've gotten from, from you from the last 12, 12 months has been the best ever, has been the most ever. So it's really uh, it's, it's the engine that keeps on driving this show. And we greatly appreciate it. And we'd love to get any feedback you have, uh, good, bad, or indifferent, whatever it may be, or asking advice, let us know, and we will read it out. Uh, first up is John Average Geek. Uh, this follows, um, I think, a conversation or discussion we had last week, Kartik, on the podcast. Uh, John Average Geek says, MLS should, take, uh, should, should make MLS Cup right after the November break. Taking the break after the Confederate, uh, conference finals does not hurt NFL. Uh, build the hype. Also, make MLS Cup a League Cup that is separate for the regular season. Not sure how to punish bad teams. Um, and next up is addition by relegation. This is uh, I love how you and Kartik went back and forth a bit on the most recent pod. I'm also sitting and watching the Sunderland documentary. Keep up the great work, guys. Uh, Vincent Orozco says, uh, U.S. soccer's decline in performance is also MLS doing a poor job with the youth system. Both MLS and USSF share revenue and do not invest enough in youth development. I don't think that foreign talent is hurting MLS. In my opinion, it helps more than it hurts. The major problem with soccer in this country is that uh, both entities, both MLS and USSF, want to make money, a lot of money. Question for you, Gaffer. In 2000, London was awarded the Olympics and, and spent millions of dollars on sports uh, infrastructure and youth development. Do you think that helped the three Lions in this World Cup? And lastly, thanks for your show and insights. I really enjoy it. I really like your honesty about soccer in this country. I believe you guys have the best show. Thanks for taking the time to read this. So, in Vin- Vincent, in answer to your question... Uh, yes, definitely. The, the Olympics helped in terms of uh, infrastructure in the UK and, and uh, focusing more money on uh, sports across across you know, all t- different types of sports in the UK. But I, I don't think it's actually helped um, England um, and the Three Lions, um, especially with the World Cup. It's um, It's been a long time coming in terms of uh, having, you mean, kind of working. Well, actually, I, I guess in some ways, too. I mean, a lot of it comes from 
some of these younger England players uh, playing in the Premier League and, and getting playing time, such as you know, Deli Ali is, is one great example. Uh, Harry Kane is, is another one of many, uh, as, as well as Sancho. Sancho, I mean, moving over to uh, to Germany and playing there and really playing ext- extraordinarily well. I think at the end of the day, it comes down to just um, playing time. Just these players, younger players, getting more playing time and. Uh, and that helps build the national team. I, I don't think it's a, an infrastructure thing that that's that's aided them. Is it is it just luck? I, I don't I don't know. Uh, they've just hit on a generation with Sterling, Rashford, uh, uh, Sancho, uh, uh, Harry Winks. I think is going to be that sort of player. And Pochettino's working it more into Spurs. Lingard. Lingard, yeah. Have they just hit on a generation and it's cyclical? We don't know yet. I think I, th- I think so. I mean I mean you look at England too. I mean they won the U seventeen World Cup. They won the U twenty World Cup. I mean, it came to the semifinals of uh, the 2018 Men's World Cup. Uh, I think it's a generational thing. I, I, you mean, a lot of these youngsters coming through the system. I mean, you look at uh, the U17 team and the, and the U20 team. There's a lot of talent on those teams. Some of them that play for Liverpool, or sorry, some of them are on the Liverpool squads and Everton squads, and probably Man City squads too, Kartik. They're not getting enough playing time and then making decisions to go elsewhere and play for other like clubs. Sancho. Sancho's a perfect example of that too, um, but there's some really good players. I think um, Brewster is one of them who's on the Liverpool's books. Um, Reese Nelson, who's on yep. Arsenal's books, who's at Hoffenheim, who's playing actually very well in the Bundesliga, is a great example. Foden, obviously, yeah. is, an, is an example. Uh, maybe it's just generational, Chris. I, I don't know. I think it is, Kartik. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, last up is uh, David Schley, and he says, uh, "Hey guys, I enjoy the podcast and the website. Uh, I, I literally look at the website every day to see all the matchups. I messaged you on Twitter about the Club World Cup and." Uh, NCFC, which is the North Carolina Football Club. Correct. Uh, and after hearing the most recent pod, I wanted to dig a little bit deeper with my question. I wanted to hear your opinions on North Carolina, North Carolina FC's hiring of Dave uh, Sarachin, or Sarakin, uh, both as a tactical, a tactical hire and what he can do for a club with MLS aspiration, but also with regards to USSF and the owner, Steve Malik. I remember Kartik tweeting about how Steve Malik is becoming a leading figure in USSF. Uh, what has contributed to his rise? Where do you see it taking him? And what what does this mean for North Carolina FC? Uh, the Courage are already the best women's club team in the world. Uh, but this area, uh, which has an enormous youth program, would love to have a serious shot for a MLS team. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, real quickly, David, thanks for the uh, question. I'll say the Courage are one of the three best women's uh, club teams in the world. They may be the best. I know they beat Leon in, in the International Champions Cup, which I was at, but uh, uh, it was uh, off-season for Leon. So I put Leon, Wolfsburg, and, uh, and NC, uh, the, the Courage in that category. I don't know which was the best, but they're one of the best. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 